legends once told of a podcast lost now in the sea of time. These ancient recordings spoke of games and the arcane art of HTML5. Today, Jeff Blair and Matt Hackett bring these words back to life. It is Lost Cast, and may your ears receive it. Welcome to Lost Cast, episode 69. I am Matt Hackett. And I'm Jeff Blair. And with us today, we have a special guest from Greenheart Games. Why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, hello everybody. I'm Patrick Kluke from Greenhead Games, and it's great to be on the Lost Cast. Uh, I have to say, I really like your intro music too. It's very gamey, very cool. Oh, excellent! That was uh, Joshua Morse, of course, does all of our music, and that was also my lovely wife Andrea does the uh, the introduction voice, which she really hates. I love playing it, <laughs> and she always grumbles. Um, yeah, so we want to hear all about you. Um, why don't you start with uh, who you are, like what you're doing at Greenheart Games, uh, what you're working on, that kind of thing. Sure, yeah. I mean, the last thing I can't actually uh, talk at the moment, what we're working on, we're still, we're still in the early days of our, our next project. And, uh, you know, we're, we're itching to get to a stage where we can actually announce something, but we're not there yet. Um, I'm the director and co-founder of Greenheart Games, a company that I founded with, together with my brother, Daniel. And uh, I live in Brisbane, Australia, which is kind of a thousand kilometers north of Sydney. And my, my, Daniel, uh, my, my brother Daniel is actually in, in Austria. So we're a cross-continent um, company with a 10-hour time zone difference. And recently we've hired uh, a team of international, um, uh, an international team all over the world. So, so we're really remote workers and, you know, completely international operation. That's very cool. Yeah, it, uh, it, the time zone is a little bit tricky sometimes, but uh, it's also quite nice if you, you know, if you head to bed and then you wake up the next morning and you see a whole bunch of activity <laughs> overnight. <laughs> yeah, Which, uh, that staggered aspect can be really nice because it's like you wake up and someone else has done a bunch of work that you now get to, you know, fix or just catch up with. Mm, mm. And last year, uh, I guess uh, our company name is probably uh, mostly known for this little piracy experiment we did with uh, Game Dev Tycoon, where we, um, you know, we, we published our own cracked version. That uh, in the Game Dev Tycoon is a game development simulator, and essentially in the cracked version, the the pirates would go bankrupt of piracy. Um, and we published our our findings of you know how many people pirated it when we released the game. Uh, in the first day, and that that went viral, and and back then I thought that that was really good as well that we have uh, that we're so distributed because uh, there was no way I could have handled that in one country. <laughs> uh, <it was> really <laughs> good. We have time zone coverage to to keep you know uh, in contact with with the feedback that we received over that. Um, yeah, mm. that was a really uh, a really great thing for you guys. I mean, um, it seemed like it really blew up. Uh, I'm really curious about that. Um, how did you guys come about uh, thinking of that? approach to piracy mm. yeah I think um, it was mostly just a, a question came up uh, of saying you know do we want DRM or um, do we want to protect our game in any way because a uh, game of tycoon started out uh, on the Windows 8 store um, it's probably one of the few games that was an a Windows 8 exclusive to start with and we really designed it for that um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know how many developers know that, but Windows 8, the, the store supports HTML5 gamers, first-class citizens. And so, you know, when we then decided to move forward onto other platforms, we used uh, Node WebKit to quickly port it. And in fact, it just took a month to, to port that to desktop. But um, long story short, you know, on the Windows 8 store, there is no issue with piracy yet. 
uh, even though there is not really a, a mechanism that would prevent it. But we knew that as PC gamers, you know, piracy is probably going to happen at some stage. And initially, the question was just, what do we do? And then we said, well, you know, we, we don't really want to inconvenience our users. I mean, it's a long old story about DRM and, and online activation, that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, if, if it's innovatable anyway that, um, that pirates will, will get it, then maybe we can control at least the first experience that they have. And initially, we, we thought, oh, maybe we should put a buy me button or, you know, gradually decrease uh, degrees, um, the, the graphic quality or flip everything upside down or silly things <laughs> like that. Um, but then, you know, after a while we thought, oh, this is a game dev simulator. I mean, how, how perfect of an opportunity to, to try to um, not tell them, but show them what piracy does. So that, that was really the idea behind it. But we never expected to go viral like, like it has. Uh, I mean, we kind of, you know, expected a little bit of, uh, of feedback or uh, a few chuckles here and there, but uh, we didn't do it as a marketing um, thing, as a stunt, as, as many many thought we did. But uh, yeah, it, it certainly was a lucky strike for us and um, it catapulted it, uh, us into Steam through Greenlight. And in a way, uh, I feel very fortunate to have that because I'm not sure that a Greenlight Games would, it, would be in the position it is today if not for that. I think I was a bit naive about marketing as well. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's really interesting uh, that you say that because, I mean, it, it kind of just goes to show how much, you know, uh, kind of luck-driven stuff goes into marketing sometimes. You know, you try something here and there and you might not necessarily be doing it from a pure marketing perspective, but mm, sometimes mm. it ends up being that. Yeah, I find as an indie developer with, uh, you know, I mean, back then we worked, uh, just my brother and I, and we're both engineers. And we worked a bit over a year on the game, um, one and a half or something like that. And by the end, you're just so eager to release it that that you think, okay, that's easy. I can release it. And then later on, I think about marketing. While now I, I realize more and more as I listen to indie developers that marketing is an integral part of your journey and and trying to communicate with, with the community what you're doing is, is quite important. Uh, so yeah, in a way that that taught us a, a good lesson um, in a lucky way, though. <laughs> nice. So uh, you're saying that uh, Game Dev Tycoon was on Greenlight when you launched, and then you also had that uh, that viral um, pirate piracy promotion. So you yeah. guys already had a Greenlight campaign going. We already had a green light campaign going, um, and we did fairly well. Uh, with that, I mean, we were you know 100% to the top 100, as, as nice. Steam would put it. Right. Um, but then after the piracy story, like I think it was five days later, we were number one, and it was a graph that that I don't think I will ever see again. It was just <laughs> incredibly <laughs> steep. Um, and you know, I have no doubt that uh, we would have gotten through at some stage, uh, considering that after after the round where we came through, which um, was one of the last rounds of small small rounds with five games or something, and later on, you know, when they changed it to release more and more games, I'm sure we we would have gone through at some stage. But that was, uh, uh, you know, very fortunate for us. Patrick, you mentioned Greenworks, which is an open source project that came out of that. Yeah. Um, so. When we published uh, Game of Tycoon on Steam, as I said, we had to create our own Steamworks integration because, I mean, there are C++ libraries out there and C Sharp and Unity plugins, of course, to do that. But um, as far as a, a Node WebKit uh, solution for HTML5 games is concerned, I wasn't aware of anything. So we implemented that, and it's very uh, barebone uh, at the time. You know, it had support for achievements and cloud storage, and that's essentially it. Um, but yeah, we, we decided to publish it under open source. Um, you can find it under Greenworks. It's on GitHub. 
And currently we're actually working on uh, Steam Workshop support through that. So hopefully that will make it much easier for other HTML5 games in the future as well to um, to integrate workshop support, which is actually something that that surprises me. Be, um, you know, with HTML5 is that modding is is incredibly powerful. It's um, it's much more powerful than any um, game that is based on a static language because, as we know, with JavaScript you can do whatever you want to yeah. <laughs> to a, a given product. So um, it, this actually leads me to something else in that with Game of Tycoon we kind of changed the way we published the game um, because of modding. So initially, you know, we we packaged all the sources, we uh, obfuscated and minified them and uh, put them in a zip file and it wasn't secure or anything but it was still um, rather difficult to do anything with it. And nowadays if you install Game of Tycoon we essentially put the source um, just as we have it. Um, it's still in one file and sort of minified but there is no obfuscation to it. And um, yeah, modders take full advantage of that and we see some great mods in, including things that I thought we would never see such a multiplayer mod for Game of Tycoon, which is uh, absolutely fantastic to see. Oh wow, that's impressive. Mm. Yeah, I, the, the whole Node WebKit ecosystem is great. Um, <clears throat> I, I think that the Node modules uh, are really powerful and that's what you've implemented for Greenworks, right? Yes. Mm. Uh, and, and really the sky's the limit there and it's so easy to use because Node kind of just has this uh, generic concept of like you can require a JavaScript file that exports, you know, JavaScript code, or you can require a compiled C++ module for Node, and the syntax at the JavaScript level is exactly the same. Yeah, it's it's very convenient as a program. It took us a while to to set it up so that it actually works because uh, we support um, Windows, Mac, and Linux. And uh, specifically, Linux was a bit of an issue because there you have to worry about uh, 32 versus 64 bit a bit more than on the other platforms. Um, and you know, building Greenworks at the moment is not that easy. But I mean, that's that's uh, one of the reasons why we want to open source is because there's no there's no reason why anyone else should spend their time on that if we already uh, sort of solved the problem <laughs> as a sort of because it's not the best solution. But we're, we're <laughs> continuously improving it. <laughs> I found it to be incredibly helpful. Um, you know, our game was greenlit. A couple of months or a month or two ago, and uh, I've been, you know, very thankful that Greenwork exists at all because uh, it's been a huge um, kind of step up for us. Um, I was able to get it working relatively quickly. So, no, that's excellent to hear. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for us as a company as well, you know, where our game is based on open tech, uh, we we wrote in HTML5 to start with. It's not a it's not a port or anything, uh, and obviously Node WebKit uh, made it possible for us to release it on Steam. So uh, we're happy to give back. I mean, we we actually. Uh, um, had a contractor in the, uh, before we released on Steam and made a whole bunch of smaller changes to Node WebKit to uh, you know um, make the game work better. So um, it, it's great to, to give back something to the community as well. Definitely agreed. Yeah. So uh, how did you get started in making software? Yeah, I guess um, I'm coming pretty much purely from the software engineering side. I, um, game of Tycoon was my first game, so I haven't been in the game industry before founding my own company and making a game about developing games. Wow. <laughs> Which is uh, kind of odd when we started because really, you know, we did a lot of research. We had no idea how, how uh, we want to um, get game development uh, abstracted away into a game without us knowing how you develop games. Um, right. Yeah, I started as a 
uh, client software developer essentially on the Windows side. So I worked a lot with C Sharp, uh, beginning from the .NET Framework 1.1 all the way to to the latest version. And uh, I did you know WinForms, GDI Plus, the Windows Presentation Foundation, which probably not as many HTML5 developers will know. But uh, right. I, I I worked on. Uh, a company in in Brisbane, Australia, called NovaMind, which is a, a mind mapping application, and uh, yeah, I was the main engineer there and spent a good five years to develop NovaMind five, and did lots of of things with the Windows Presentation Foundation. Hmm. Always resisted uh, HTML and web. I uh, <laughs> never believed in it. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, uh, you know, if if a few years ago someone would have told me, well, you you will be uh, on a podcast for HTML5 devs, or you will uh, be involved in HTML5 community, I would just laugh at them. Um, <laughs> The way it actually came to be uh, was quite strange. Uh, Windows 8 was announced, and uh, and Microsoft essentially said uh, HTML5 is a is a first class citizen for Windows Store apps. But Windows Presentation Foundation, the thing that I was using for five years and that Microsoft had announced earlier, um, you know, wasn't. <laughs> right. And I was uh, I was essentially doing a DDD Brisbane talk, which is a small developer uh, event, um, and did a rant about that because uh, I felt betrayed, to be honest, from from that. And you know, uh, I was ranting away that that how could Microsoft uh, try to to sell uh, HTML5 as as a first class citizens? Are we back at Active Desktop or what's what's happening? You know, it's <laughs> it's, it's all a bit ridiculous. So after the talk. Um, one guy came up to me and said, uh, have you actually used HTML5 yet? And, um, you know, I had to say no. <laughs> and uh, after that, uh, he sent me a blog post essentially explaining JavaScript to C-sharp developers, which I can really uh, recommend. Um, maybe we can put that in the show notes if anyone is interested. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, essentially, you know, for me, JavaScript meant Java equals slow because as a C-sharp developer, there's this little, you know, little uh, competition going on where you say, yeah, yeah, Java, C-sharp is the better Java. Um, <laughs> And script is unsophisticated um, because C# -sharp has all you know wonderful things like lambda expressions and, and and things like that that are just fantastic. And once I realized that JavaScript has actually nothing to do with Java, first of all, and that uh, you know JavaScript is is super fast and and really a great language, um, it got me over a lot of that. And I think I waited enough that HTML wasn't the issue either because I never had to deal with any IE6 or IE7 issues. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we were talking IE10, <laughs> which right. is really good browser. Um, and, you know, Windows uh, 8 is running on IE10, now IE11. When we ported the game to Node WebKit, we, of course, had to make it run in, in, in WebKit. Uh, but that took us a day, like, all... All the things I need to change was just the CSS prefixes, and that was it. Everything was compatible. So for me, JavaScript and HTML5, not so much CSS, but I'm getting there, is a, is a wonderful experience and much easier than I ever thought. And in fact, now I say that uh, it's much easier to create even a client, a great client uh, application with a good user experience in HTML5 than it is in the native Windows Presentation Foundation that Microsoft invented, which is really a sad statement for client software development. So. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. <laughs> wow, that's a, a, an official convert from from C sharp to HTML five. That is uh, that's a that says a lot, I think, about how mature the the tech has become. Uh, so, Patrick, um, I'm interested in uh, whether or not you guys uh, had looked at Canvas versus DOM, and and why you went one way or the other. Yeah, we 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 have, and. 
for us, I think uh, HTML5 actually was a, a good choice because in Game Dev Tycoon we have a lot of in user interface um, elements that are, um, you know, text or, or drag and drop things or pop-up panels that, that come up. And we did all of that in, in HTML5 DOM. Um, but what you see as far as animations are concerned that all the characters and the office are all canvas. Um, we used a tool called CreateGS. Um, nowadays, I think you know we looked into Phaser a bit more, but CreateJS is a, is a great library that that combines a whole bunch of things like Canvas and TweenJS and SoundJS and that kind of thing. That's cool. That's a it's a good approach actually. I like that. Yeah, kind of playing to the strengths of both technologies. Mm, and we we found um, like some some of the things I found easier to do in HTML first, and then you know we looked at it uh, and or we had some performance issues, and it usually didn't take long to take that into the the canvas layer if if it was necessary. But uh, we definitely learned our lessons as far as using uh, and how to use canvas effectively goes, because uh, Game of the Coon is designed for screens up to you know uh, two five sixty by fourteen forty. Um, like full, full screen, you can play it on the 30-inch screen if you want, um, and uh, 60 frames per second for an HTML game. And uh, and I think one of the mistakes we made is that we designed our sprite sheets uh, for this massive resolution and frame rate, and and so uh, <laughs> we load like textures into memory that is just insane for a web game. Like uh, you know, we have a bit more over a gigabyte of textures running in the game when you start it. Um, that's after we already optimized some of that out, so we run lower frame rates for most animations, but uh, I definitely would would have a smarter approach on how to do that. That was a bit of a lesson learned. Wow. So do you load the, the high-res assets even for lower resolutions? Yes, um, as except for ARM devices, uh, because you can actually play the game on Surface RT, uh, which isn't that popular anyway, but uh, it, it runs on ARM rather than on an Intel-based architecture and on a Tegra 3 um, CPU, essentially. And for that, we, we scaled everything down. Uh, yeah, re resolution handling is a really tough issue sometimes. <laughs> mm. Definitely is, yeah. yeah especially, especially when it comes to, uh, to assets. For Windows 8, <laughs> we, we kind of designed for high DPI devices as well. So, you know, even if the... Uh, like, we just wanted to, to be ready for, for high DPI tablets and things like that. And uh, if you have all the icons are, are massive in size so you know most of them is vector graphics that we then render to a bitmap um but uh yeah it, it definitely shows i think that the quality of the the icons is is brilliant on on tablets nice so i've got a question uh you can feel free to to choose to not answer if you like but uh <laughs> we were talking a little bit earlier about um you know obfuscating your code like when you make an html5 app your your code is there uh, like you can get access to it, but there's things you can do to, you know, obfuscate or otherwise make it difficult to hack. Um, yeah. And I'm wondering how that uh, how that pertains to Steam achievements. Whether it's a problem if uh, if users can go in there and hack your game and then instantly earn an achievement. Yeah, it's definitely possible to do that. Um, Interesting. We are looking through some some. You know limitations when we uh, publish Steam Workshop, which isn't available yet, uh, in that we want to limit the plugins uh, of what they can do. Uh, stuff like you know requiring FS and then doing file system operations. Um, right. 
which could be potentially a problem. But uh, in general, because the game isn't multiplayer and the Steam achievements, while you might show them off to your friends, are mostly for your own enjoyment. And I think that the people who would abuse it uh, are so uh, you know in the minority. And if oh, yeah. we see if we see like a a mod that would uh, allow you to activate your achievements, then we would probably ban it from the workshop, um, depending on what the community thinks about it. Um, but yeah, we, we don't really worry about that. Yeah, that's that's kind of been our answer too. We get a lot of uh, developers who um, were looking at HTML5 from an outside perspective, and then they find where you know the code needs to be there because it's a it's a scripting engine, so mm. uh, it exists and it and it can be easily hacked. And what we tell people basically is like it's such a it's such a small minority of the people mm. who are going to play a game mm. that uh, the vast majority of people. Yeah, having said that, though, I think uh, it would be easy to fix. Like, you could just, uh, you know, hide your reference of to the st to the Greenworks library and then kill the the global uh, reference to it and not allow any requires from plugins. And it's probably a bit harder than to for normal plugins to 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 solve that. But yeah. having said that, you know, uh, initially when we did Game of Tycoon, as I mentioned, we had obfuscated code. And on the same day, and even before the piracy story, uh, story went viral, uh, we had a Russian hacker group host the game online as an online-to-play game, which we never designed <laughs> it to be. So, wow. you know, uh, it's incredible how fast the community will take your code and rip it apart. Um, there's oh, this yeah. <laughs> Wikipedia, like not Wikipedia, there's this uh, wiki for Game of Tycoon, and... Uh, they essentially reverse engineered our review algorithms um, in incredible detail um, over a course of a few weeks. And uh, it, it's really fascinating read for me, um, you know, because you can see all the, the, <laughs> the weird obfuscated minified formulas that they uh, discussed and, and uh, ripped apart. But yeah, there is no, no chance that you could hide something from, from players that want to get to it. Yeah. I know that previously there have been um, Flash games on Steam as well, and like Flash has uh, similar similar. <laughs> it's hard to say similar vulnerabilities. Try mm. saying that three times fast. Um, but then also, like I tell people this too: like any game can be hacked. Like you can you can yeah. find a way. People will find like a hole in that armor. You know. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, even compiled games in C plus plus are, are going to get hacked. I mean, they and routinely they do. Exactly. Mm. And for us, uh, I think at the moment we really realize that this isn't a, this isn't a disadvantage. It's an advantage for us because uh, we can allow mods to do things that normal games couldn't. Like you know, we we don't have support for any multiplayer concept in our API, but uh, people just hack it in, and and you can right. you can change the DOM, you can inject your own libraries, you can do whatever. I mean, you could implement a different game if you want in that mod and inject it into it. That's a great way of looking at it as, as an advantage because it makes it easier to mod because we've seen recently games that are moddable can be very successful, like, you know, mm. Minecraft, um, was that Starbound recently? Like, the more moddable, the better. Mm. Yeah. Um, we were definitely... Um, yeah, no, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> uh, I was going to ask you, um, you know, since you've, you've been using Node WebKit, have you ever looked into the snapshotting uh, feature that it has for code protection? Yes, uh, and I think on the Node WebKit wiki there is also some mention of a, a virtual 
uh, imaging machine that you can run and run your game through. And I think that that will create some performance issues. But as far as Snapchat goes, yes, we have looked at it and uh, initially thought about it. But now that we have more experience of what happens when you release a game and what can happen when you have great modding support, we are not looking into that at all anymore. Um, I oh, think wow. the next games we release, we will embrace that even more and um, probably release the source code in a way that's not even uh, you know, minified uh, as such so that you can really grab and change whatever you want. Um, having said that, you know, we, we do protect ourselves uh, with a modding agreement um, and uh, an end-user license agreement that is uh, tuned so that you can't abuse that uh, fact. Um, and actually, since we mentioned sharing things, we, we put these both these documents under a Creative uh, Commons share attribution license. So if anyone looks for a modding agreement that is uh, tuned to that kind of scenario, then feel free to check that out and use it for your own products. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I actually had a thought about, you know, uh, just JavaScript games in general within Node WebKit <clears throat> because, you know, we have a rather large JavaScript game. Mm. And when you serve it as this huge chunk of JavaScript, you know, it has a little bit of a load time as, you know, as the JavaScript interpreter just parses all this incoming JavaScript, right? This huge chunk. I think our game is up to about, it's probably only about half a meg of JavaScript, but still, I mean, that's, you know, yeah, that's somewhat always. significant. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, I was thinking about maybe instead of just doing that, we could just lean on things like Require.js, which we use anyway. It's kind of a module loading system for JavaScript uh, and asynchronously load code as we need it uh, mm. and just keep all of the files kind of just essentially not minified within uh, within the, the production build. Mm. And we have, uh, I think, over 1.1 megabyte uh, minified code in, in GameLift Tycoon. It's, it's, uh, that's just a custom code without the libraries that we load on the side. Um, we haven't seen any performance issues really in loading the code. It's more the, the textures, <laughs> the massive textures that we load when <laughs> we start a game. Yeah. So one thing we like to ask developers specifically uh, when we talk to them is uh, we like to know about the work environment. Because mm -hmm. we know that, uh, like, I mean, you've got history with C Sharp. Um, but when dealing with HTML5, you can use whatever you want. Like Jeff uses <laughs> Sublime Text, and I use MacVim. But yeah. I mean, that's just the you know tip of the iceberg. So we'd like mm -hmm. to know uh, how you write code, how you develop software. Uh, probably a lot of HTML developers will laugh at me for that, but <laughs> I write the <laughs> code in Visual Studio 2012 or now 2013 Express, um, which is really you know the development for Windows 8 environment. So I'm, I'm a Windows user, always have been. Um, can't really find myself uh, enjoying the Mac experience that much. And, uh, you know, as far as coding goes, I was just used all the IntelliSense and debugging support of Visual Studio. And Visual Studio does actually do a great job for, for JavaScript applications. It's probably not as easy to, to handle projects that are not running on, you know, on, on uh, like are not developed for Windows 8 as well, because you have the IE 10 engine and things like that. But you know, it, it comes. It's first of all, it's free, and it comes with uh, amazing performance um, profiling tools, memory profiling profiling tools, where you can look what's happening on the GPU, where your draw calls go, and all of that, and uh, IntelliSense as well. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a fan. Um, but as far as work environment goes, I mean, I think the most interesting bit about our company's um, work environment is that we are a hundred percent remote and uh, completely distributed across the world and not everyone is using windows so we don't require anyone to use a certain tool and that's the great thing about html you know if you set the project up right uh, you can use whatever you want to code in it um yeah which, which is really nice yeah yeah that's a, that's a nice advantage uh, i was actually wondering about 
Visual Studio, if because uh, I know you know you were saying Windows 8 now supports uh, native HTML5 apps, and I was wondering actually, uh, like I'd never went investigated myself, but I was wondering if Visual Studio actually had a bunch of its own HTML5 tooling. Yeah, it it has, but uh, when we um, started the project, we decided not to use them, um, which is a valid thing. So you can just ignore them essentially, apart from you know store integration, where you, of course you need to interact with their API, but you wouldn't need it anywhere else anyway. Um, uh, having said that, like we use you know jQuery and <laughs> and things like that that you probably only uh, like people use for websites. We use it for Windows 8 uh, apps, and uh, that's absolutely no problem. Uh, recently, I think Microsoft actually open sourced their their uh, JavaScript APIs. Um, so you know that's a good sign. Uh, the other thing is that uh, yeah, you don't really have to use it. So so you can stay away from the um, Microsoft's suggested solutions as much as you want, and even more so with games because the App Store has some design guidelines and what you should do and shouldn't. But that doesn't apply to games because games are really a different experience from a normal application. Um, so yeah, we we never had any issues with that. And also uh, fascinating to note, I think, is that. For years and years, Microsoft has resisted uh, WebGL. And um, now, uh, I mean, that's old news for some, but uh, not everyone might know that, but IE11 has full support for WebGL, which means that 3D games in HTML are easily cross-platforms across, uh, you know, Windows 8, uh, normal Windows or Node WebKit, which is amazing, I think. Yeah, that's a really great thing. Yeah, it definitely is. I, I have noticed Microsoft sometimes will kind of hold off on stuff like WebGL. Like I remember when they first announced they weren't going to support it. I'm like, yeah, they will. <laughs> they will in time, you know. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, IE11. It's good to see. Mm. Yeah, and IE10 is great. Um, we never had any issues with it. Um, and you know, the performance is is the same or better as Chromium. I mean, really, they they compete so so fiercely that that it just benefits us as developers. <laughs> yeah. So is Game Dev Tycoon also available in the Windows 8 marketplace? Yes, that's uh, where it was available uh, to start with. That's where it so. started, right. Mm. So has mm. that been, like, now that you've seen uh, what Steam can do mm. for, for your company, uh, has Windows mm. 8 marketplace been comparable, or is it, like, started to kind of wane in comparison to, to Steam? Yeah, I think Steam is, is both... Uh, inspiring and scary in a way because um, the traffic that is on Steam is just incredible. Um, so you yeah. know the Windows 8 store is nowhere near that. Um, but having said that, I mean you know without Steam, I think PC gaming would be in, in dire <laughs> in a dire situation. So so <laughs> it's really a good thing to have. Uh, but having said that, the Windows Store is is has been always very appealing. Um, we couldn't probably not survive solely on it. But then again, you know that's that's the beauty of HTML. You don't have to. And, and and there are certain things like the conversion rate from the pro- the trial to the paid app uh, and in in Game of Tycoon is over thirty percent, which is mind blowing. Like, I hmm. I just can't imagine any other store where you can have a conversion rate of 30, over thirty percent to a paid app that costs eight eight to ten dollars. Um, yeah. Which is absolutely incredible. And in in the uh, past couple of months, actually, our our um, uh, revenue from the store has uh, increased a lot, so I, I don't know. Um, I'm not aware that anything happened from our side, so it must be that just more more Windows 8 users are around. Uh, the other thing is that their revenue share is quite good. Um, I don't know if, if that's uh, common knowledge of, among HTML5 devs, but uh, once you your app, I think, earns uh, over twenty thousand dollars in revenue, which is a lot, of course. But you know, once you get over that, then you have a revenue share of eighty twenty, which makes a huge difference from the usual seventy thirty of of um, most other mobile stores. 
So um, has definitely some some good points, and since it's so easy to do that, but I'm, I'm, some, I'm, I'm sometimes I'm like like I'm, I'm I'm hyped by Microsoft to say that I'm. If you follow me on Twitter, <laughs> I'm actually quite a uh, you know I'm, I'm criticizing a lot, <laughs> so, so I don't want to come <laughs> off as uh, as the fanboy here. Um, as I said, with but it sounds like Windows 8 Store will probably remain like one of your primary targets. You know, is that true? Um, honestly, I don't know. I mean, when we start a new project, we don't say well 100% sure we will release on the on the Windows Store. Um, but having said that, Game Dev Tycoon is definitely still doing well, and uh, um, we will definitely consider doing that uh, since the overhead is so little. Um, and also, you know, if you want to test touch support, it's great because Windows 8 is touch first, really. So you need to design for touch in mind. That's true. It kind of gets you mobile ready. Mm. Mm. So um, go ahead, Jeff. Oh, I was just going to ask. I know you, you're not going to say a lot about your current project, but. Um, are you able to say whether or not you're sticking with your current stack? Um, is it going to be a HTML5 Node WebKit Create JS based game? Yes. Um, when we created our jobs page, uh, because we wanted to hire a team, uh, we didn't want to stay just us two um, to do more, you know, innovative things essentially. And the biggest decision was, well, who do we look for? Do we look for HTML or do we look for Unity, which seems to be the big thing in gaming? And and after a while, um, I think for us, the decision was that for us, the game is more important than the technology. Um, and so, you know, we don't need to use the, the cutting edge uh, thing that would allow to do everything that a game could potentially do. Um, having said that, HTML gives us a great flexibility in that it's easy to create simple games but you can also use webgl if you want to do 3d stuff uh you know you can publish in on different platforms you can use phone gaps if you want to go on on mobiles you can have windows 8 and not webkit so so at the moment yeah we, we're definitely sticking with html5 and uh, we set up our team so that um, we have great html5 developers on board that's awesome see that that tells a good story because if your story was you know i was a c-sharp developer and then I tried HTML5 and I hated it. <laughs> the next game I made was something else. Like <laughs> that wouldn't yeah. be good for HTML5. But it's good to see that you uh, like that's the strongest vote you can give, right? Like I liked it so much, I'm going to use it again. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think just things that happen, like uh, even Node.js, it's it's incredible what what you can do with that. So you know, when we do our web services, or uh, we have like a customer portal, if you buy directly from us, then we have a nice thing where you can get your Steam key, and that even integrates with the Windows Store app. So if you buy it on the Windows Store, you can click a button, it brings you to our website. We authenticate with the Microsoft service that you own the game, and you get a Steam key for free. And all of that is kind of Node.js, which is amazing because you have one language then for for everything that you look at. Yeah, I, I love doing anything in JavaScript. Like if I find <laughs> out any anything in the world is programmable with JavaScript, like Photoshop, I'm like, ooh, really? <laughs> Start yeah, we, that. we try to keep our stack as much as JavaScript as we can. Uh, we, we do the same thing. We use Node.js on the server side as much as possible. Um, and we even use uh, this NodeBB forum software for our community oh, yeah. portal. <laughs> mm. Yeah, we, we're resisting that. We are kind of early adapters and fans of Discourse, which is Ruby on Rails, but <laughs> it's still, you know, it's still heavily JavaScript. Um, but it's a nice modern piece of forum software, which I think is, is kind of the broader point there too, with, uh, with NodeBB uh, as well. Mm. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. That's pretty interesting. Given that your uh, your game is is purely HTML5, have you investigated any of the like the web app stores like Chrome Web Store or the Firefox Marketplace? Have you guys looked into any of those? No, because uh, the game wasn't designed to um, to be an online game. Um, 
And I'm not sure, I, I would need to look at if they support actually, you know, downloading a 120 megabytes app and then running it purely <laughs> offline. <laughs> that would um, be quite a big package. Yeah, yeah, so no. But having said that also, yeah, I think I'm a bit surprised by the long tail of a, of a game once it's out. Like uh, we released it in December 2012. Obviously we did a big, big rewrite for uh, Steam. And then later on did a lot of to make sure that modding is supported right. And now we're still, you know, considering porting it to other platforms, even though we don't have anything official. <laughs> but, uh, you know, for me, it's also important that uh, as a company, we want to um, invest in our next game. We don't want, like, Game of Tycoon is not early access. It's it's done. It's not uh, it's not right. a continuous development. So for me, it's important that we move on as well and, and uh, do our next thing. And we have actually uh, started looking into Game of Tycoon 2 because I think you know a lot a lot of the ideas that are there um and there is a, a massive petition for dlcs on our steam forums i think 1600 replies or something um wow. and you know uh there is so many great ideas and we think we really need to look into that that's a hard place to be in because you've got a game that's popular and you know people are kind of begging for more content and i'm sure you would probably enjoy working on more dlc or game dev tycoon but you know you also want to be able to explore new stuff yeah, I think for me, it's uh, Game of Tycoon has reached a complexity level where um, the ideas that we have that we really love to explore would change the game so much that it's probably not valid as a DLC. Um, but, you know, we have a great modding community, so hopefully uh, this will continue to, to provide value to players um, at the moment. So, you know, I'm kind of giving away our strategy here anyway, but uh, we always said that we will do Game of Tycoon 2, so, so that's something we, we definitely <laughs> work on at the moment. That's awesome. Sounds like you got a lot of fans who will be uh, happy to hear that. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess, you know, if you ask fans, do you want DLC or Game of Tycoon 2, they will say both. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah, we kind of have to prioritize a little bit more than that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and for us, uh, I think, you know, this year was, was really finding the team. Uh, we started looking in December and uh, we put a lot of effort into the job page. Uh, I think coming from a software engineering experience, that's that's really, um, it was a bit surprising because in software engineering, you have companies that, that are known for a good company manifest. Things like uh, 37 Signals, you know, the, the inventor of Ruby and Rails and the Basecamp and that kind of thing. Or, you know, Fog Creek where you have, um, uh, no, no. Joel Spolsky, um, right, yeah. massively known among software engineers, of course, or Coding Horror, or uh, the CEO of Balsamic Mockups. Um, and for us, you know, we wanted to take all these these great concepts of how you work, like you know, no no micromanagement, no um, you know uh, plans that are set in stone, even though everyone knows it's impossible to do and that kind of thing. Right. So for us, it was really important that we communicate that and get the right people especially because we're a hundred percent remote so so you know if you're hundred yeah. percent remote you really need managers of one as they say you know people who can do their own thing and i'm so happy to start at the moment we're in fact just preparing our about page to introduce the new pay, uh, team um hopefully by the time that airs it should be out there so <laughs> really excited to work with so many great people on our next projects that's great so you started off with just the two of you just yourself and your brother correct Yes, and we used um, contractors to do the animations and uh, illustrations and uh, sound, essentially, because we gotcha. are both software engineers. Yeah. So how big is your team now? I um, think we are at eight, um, wow. including us. Um, but not, not everyone is full-time, um, but it's definitely a scary thing for us because... 
you know, it would be easy to just stay us two and do our thing. Um, but we just, we, yeah, we, we feel like there are some ideas that we really, really want to go after. And, you know, one of the things is that, I don't know if you've seen our jobs page, but we were essentially looking for writers as well. And <laughs> I feel like we're the only company, a game company, that looks actively for writers as far as indie developers are concerned. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm, I'm a bit surprised by the lack of great story in indie games. And, and for me, um, it was really nice to have the opportunity to get writers on board and to do something that is more narratively driven um, than, than what you see uh, things on Early Access, for example, which are uh, rarely about story, really, at the moment. Yeah, that strikes me as one of those positions that uh, a lot of people want to do. And there's also very few positions that are available for people to actually just do that full time. Mm, yeah, we, we got, uh, I think, 800 applications all in all wow. because we, we put on a, we put, you know, everything, game designer, uh, game developers, writers, um, sound engineers and that things. And uh, a lot, the majority of that was, was writers. And it was great to see that there's so much interest in, in coming from the writer community. And I think the indie developers should really embrace it a little bit more. Very cool. So uh, I'm interested to hear about your thoughts um, kind of going from being the core engineer or one of two core engineers to kind of the leader of a team of eight, uh, is this going to mean a lot less coding for you probably? Um, well, hopefully not too much. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that's why we focus so much attention of getting, uh, you know, people who are comfortable managing themselves. Uh, because I know, you know, I'm sitting in Australia, which is time zone UTC plus 10. Uh, if we have someone in, in the States, it's it's like 14 hours, 16 hours behind me. And then we have uh, people in the UK, which is like GMT zeros or 10 hours behind me. It would be impossible for me to manage, um, you know, a team that really needs a lot of managing. Uh, so, yeah, the, the focus was that we get people who who uh, who are great uh, game developers by themselves already, uh, essentially. And we want to create something together. That's cool. It's a, it's a really interesting perspective. I think it's kind of the same way that we see uh, our studio. Uh, is that we we really want to be involved in crafting the game, um, even if we were to ever grow beyond the two of us. You know, it would be mm -hmm. a very small growth with you know adding some complementary roles like you know you're talking about writers, artists, things like that. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's a smart way to grow out when you've got this really solid foundation, especially with like two strong developers who maybe have their own way of doing things and are very effective and productive. And then to have uh, other positions kind of as support roles to like, you know, make it prettier, make it sound great, make the writing better, that kind of thing. It's a, it's a really great dynamic. It makes a lot of sense for a team. Yeah, I, I guess um, I'm seeing it a little bit uh, even more dynamic. Like I don't see myself or Daniel at the moment as the core part of any of the projects that we're working on. It's, it's more like we, we all work together on it. And one of the decisions actually we made is uh, that we didn't start with the projects much before we had the team together because we wanted them to, you know, to be able to contribute from the start and not arrive at a design document that's locked down and saying, okay, the deadline is, is in, in, in a year or something, go do it, um, which I think just wouldn't inspire me as, a, as, as someone working on it. Right, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You kind of like bring the team together and then as a team, you're going to decide the direction of the next project. Mm. So uh, did did you guys grow up in in Australia together, and he would move away, or no? I mean, as many probably hear from my accent, I'm I'm a native German speaker. I'm from Austria originally. I moved to uh, to Australia in 2006, so quite a while ago. But yeah, um, both grew up in Austria. Very That's cool. cool. 
I, I always like to talk about Australia because I, I went on a vacation there uh, for three weeks <laughs> one time, and I really I fell in love with the country. Oh, <laughs> I really yeah. wouldn't mind living there myself. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful country. Uh, very big. I mean, you know, I mean, United States is is, <laughs> is probably uh, <laughs> one of the bigger countries to live in. But uh, yeah, it's. I think as, as soon as you have different time zones in in your country, it's a, it's a good sign <laughs> as far as size goes. <laughs> Australia has the best beaches. Yeah, so Australian beaches are pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love that uh, in the beaches here, like you can't build anything on it. So, you know, even if there are hotels around, they're not allowed to privately own parts of the beach. So you have 60 kilometer long beaches where you can just walk. And, you know, there is no, there's no uh, line between where you have to stop and, and go around or something, which is brilliant. That's great. Wow. Yeah, keep it open. <laughs> yeah. I guess we, we've discussed a lot of your products over the last, uh, or a lot yeah. of your services and stuff like, but specifically it was like Game Dev Tycoon, go check it out for sure. And are you guys still hiring? Uh, no, we're not, no. Okay, I see. So that, that ship has sailed, but uh, but keep your eyes on Greenheart Games because I'm sure mm. you'll be hiring again someday. <laughs> and, uh, check out Greenworks, which is if you're using Node WebKit and you want to deploy on Steam. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure our listeners are going to... Uh, hear a lot about greenworks over the next couple months as we uh, as we work with it and get our game on steam as well excellent okay well we're just actively working on it so um definitely get in contact with us if there's any issues or you know we're still trying to figure out things ourselves <laughs> yeah oh yeah i've cool. been filing some github issues and you guys have been responding so yeah i, I yeah. do appreciate that oh yeah okay thanks <laughs> <laughs> cool i think it's uh, it's been really great talking to you um i think it, it speaks volumes about just the choice of tech you know a lot of people like to debate html5 versus unity or what have you mm. um and i think you made a really great point earlier about you know sticking with a tech that you know and that works for you and your team uh, is probably the best decision um but i also think that it, it does speak well of, of the ecosystem around html5 that um you guys are have seen some success and are you know growing your studio and uh you know betting on html5 for the future of your game so that's really cool to hear hmm yeah, totally agree with that. It's definitely ready to be. I mean, it has been ready for years, thanks to you know pioneers of the <laughs> of HTML5 like like you are. Um, yeah, it's, oh, it's good to be part of that group, even though I use Visual Studio. <laughs> <laughs> and each his own, like you said, that's kind of the beauty of the ecosystem, right? Like, uh, and that's one reason we love the web, right? It's open. It's customizable you're not locked into anybody's ide you're not locked into anybody's proprietary apis you can do pretty much whatever you want mm. that's right so and uh, you're not going to get left high and dry you know i mean uh, you you mentioned like the windows uh presentation framework i think earlier um and i think a very similar thing happened to uh xna developers with microsoft recently right oh, like yeah mm. it's it's baffling the strategies applied uh, at that level from microsoft in my opinion uh and i right. think <laughs> at least for me you know they, they lost a lot of goodwill like i would never bank on a technology uh that is proprietary to microsoft ever again i think um and you don't have to thankfully because everyone is moving towards a direction where the tool isn't as important as what you deliver right yeah, yeah i think true. that in microsoft's case with the recently they probably lost a lot of people to unity i would bet mm. Mm. Welcome. anyways uh thanks a lot for for being on the show we really appreciate it um it's it's great to hear uh your experiences with html5 so 
Thank you very much for the invitation. It was a pleasure. Chip it. cast.